Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, and welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Kaylee, and today we are joined by our special guest, Brenda Jacobson. Over 25 years as a finance executive and business strategist provided Brenda with dynamic insights on financial flow. During her five-year recovery from falling 3,000 feet down a mountain, she became well-versed on a myriad of elements that contribute to personal health and performance. Understanding the importance of creating balance physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually led Brenda on a fascinating journey into her own awakening. With this unique perspective on life, she now focuses on supporting people to rebalance their personal energy and open the flow of abundance into their lives. I love that. Thank you so much for joining today, Brenda. Um, really glad to have you here and this, yeah, this financially linked topic, but we're talking all things abundance too. Um, just before we get started, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about, um, your journey and what brought you to this point and maybe even elaborate on that, you know, that, that big accent that you experienced in your own life. Cause I think yeah. it sounds, um, obviously better coming from you and th- your own firsthand experience. Okay. I did have, I spent, um, 20 plus years in as CFO and CEO of various different companies. And um, even in there, I was, I was really sensitive to the energy of things. I, I realized later that I am now, an, I now define myself as an empath. That word didn't really exist in my, my vocabulary back then. However, as I, as I learned more and work with more empaths, that's exactly what was happening to me throughout my finance career. Um, it kind of came to an end yeah, back in 2009, when I was out skiing and I caught an edge and uh, I was, for those skiers out there, it was a double black diamond run. So very, very steep and there's no stopping. Once you start tumbling, there's no stopping. And so I went right down the whole mountain before I came to a stop. Um, however, it was an extreme um, lesson in surrender because I, I actually walked away. I skied away from that. I skied 10 more runs that day. I didn't realize how much damage I had done, but it was, as I started falling, I just let go. I was just told to be a rag doll, just let go and surrender. So I was very loose flying down, flying down, bobbling down the mountain. And um, it's probably one of the most profound lessons in unattaching from the outcome and surrendering and letting the energy take you where you're meant to go. So that uh, took me on a different journey. I tried to go back into CFO after that, and it just, it didn't fit with me anymore. Um, I, I took on a couple of clients. I couldn't hardly wait to get out of that. And uh, my passion really was going through that healing journey 
where every aspect of my, of my life had fallen apart. So my body broke down. What I'd done is I knocked my head off at C1 where the neck sits in the spine. I knocked it off by 34 degrees. So it didn't affect me right away. Um, but over the coming months, none of the signals were getting from my brain to any organs or systems in my body. So everything broke down. And I, um, I was in excruciating pain that traveled around my body. I could never, it wasn't my knee was out or my hip was hurting. It would move all the time. Um, but sitting on the couch for, well, really for the first three years of that and doing the inner work was, was an incredible opportunity. I say I, it turned what could have been a, a trauma and a disaster in my life into the probably the most productive time I've ever had in my life, just by shifting that focus of, of the, that rat race of, you know, work harder, earn more, work harder, earn more, and really making, bringing me to terms with what was important in life. I, I call it going into the pause. And I think that that's what's happened with so many people here at, through COVID. I look back and go, yeah, I've been there, done that. Life just stops for so many people. And you have to really reevaluate what, you know, what the future looks like for you, what the future is going to look like for the world. A lot of confusion and, and um, stress, anxiety, overwhelm out there. So that's how I came here. Wow. And thank you for sharing that journey. And yeah, so obviously, you know, physically you were forced to, to stop and pause. And so, yeah, now what we're going through is this pause, but yeah, in your own life, that being forced to just pause and, and do things differently or have to, um, yeah, reflect and, and go through that time. So interesting to hear that, like you said, that that was, you know, what came out of it was actually really eye-opening and a good experience for you. Cause I think a lot of people, sometimes that go through these big traumatic events in our lives that that is kind of a commonality I hear is that it's this like shift or it's this point where things really change, um, for often, often for the better for people yeah. and, and what they learn out of that. So thank Absolutely. you for sharing. What I, what I found in that journey was that my body healed after about two years. Physically, I was pretty much healed after two years. But I was stuck emotionally for three more years. So looking back after all the work that I've done with emotional intelligence, um, what I've learned in that process, looking back, I thought, wow, if I had had the tools that I, that I coach people in today, if I had had those available to me, I could have saved three years of that journey. I was stuck, stuck in anger. My whole life disappeared. I was really happy with my life and it disappeared on me. My body would not do the things that it used to do. I was disgusted with my body. I was afraid of not ever being able to get back to work again. I didn't earn anything in those five years. And, you know, there was, there was loneliness, there was shame, there was hopelessness. All of those things kept me stuck kind of on that hamster wheel for that extra three years. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. And obviously from that, what you've learned and now sharing that with other people is so, um, it's so amazing and impactful. And that's, it makes such a difference when, you know, you're, you're serving other people from a place of going through that personal experience yourself and that, you know, we can, people can sense that and that passion that you have then for what you do. 
Um, so to get into our topic for today, we want to talk about, you know, creating financial abundance with joy, with joy, of course, too. Um, yeah. So you talk about, or you mentioned, you know, talking about how the world has changed and what does this new world look like? So maybe first let us know what you mean by that and, and then go into, yeah, details about what you mean by the, this new world. I think, you know, we're entering into what they call the fourth industrial revolution, which is that time of outsourcing of, of artificial intelligence and robotics and a lot of the jobs that we kind of grew up with are being replaced by machines now. So I think they came out with some staggering statistic. It was like 80% of the workforce or I think it was something like third, I, I know, 3 billion people had to be reskilled. It was the World Economic Forum came out with these stats last year. This was, this was before COVID but a high number of people had to be reskilled in the world because their jobs just don't exist for them anymore. And so the world is changing and nobody really knows what it's gonna look like on the other side. The um, COVID just accelerated that whole process for us. And um, a lot of, you know, the, just the economic impact of it, the mental health impact of it, um, just nobody knows what the world is going to look like when we emerge from this. All we know for sure is it's not going to look like the one we left. And um, that's got people feeling very nervous and confused. We see mental health stats going through the roof. Suicide rates have gone up over 100%. Eating disorders in adolescence have, are up over 200%. You know, it, it's, it's affecting everybody at every age. And... Um, and yeah, everything, everything will be changing. All this, the financial system itself will be changing. The education system will be changing. The healthcare system will be changing. We don't know what it looks like, but we know that it looked different than it did. Yeah. And so what do you think are the biggest challenges right now that people are facing? I think that, I think that one of the biggest things that I see in the people that I work with is confusion is people are confused. And it's like that deer in the headlights. They don't know how to move because they don't know what they're moving into. And so as we were talking about um, before, before the show here, I was saying that I've just been, you know, my life is always evolving and changing. I have become, one of the things that the, uh, that the recovery did for me was built this resilience of trusting that things are always working out for me. But, but I still fight it because I'm, you know, after my finance career, I'm very left brain oriented. Like that's, that's the strong muscle. Now my right brain has kind of come into balance with it, that creativity, but I still get objections. So when I felt like I had to leave the company that I had started and built for five years um, and it was just time to move on, it's running great. You know, we've got the, the team in place to run it, but it didn't make sense to my left brain to move. Um, I, I didn't understand why I was feeling this internal, this internal pressure to do something different. Looking back now, it all makes sense to me, but it was hard getting out of that. And I felt like I had one, one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat and the boat was leaving. And I knew where the dock was. I did have no idea where that boat was going. So it was that, um, it was kind of another lesson from my fall down the mountain was that surrender just go where you know you need to go and trust 
that it will evolve and things will always work out for you. So I see people in that confusion. And when I work with people, I, the first step from that confusion is to get them into a place of curiosity. If they just, because confusion is usually very contracting. Um, it has a lot of contracting emotions in it, like the fear and the anger and the disgust and all those things I was stuck in. When you're confused, a lot of those stories start whirling around in your mind and you get stuck in those contracting emotions. Um, if you can move into curiosity, your whole world expands. And all that is, is just being open to possibilities and opportunities. And it's through that vehicle of curiosity that clarity will come. And, but you've got to sit in that curiosity for a while. So I think that's where the world is at now. And that's what I would suggest for people is just move, just ask a question. You feel yourself stuck in this confusion, just ask a question. You know, what would it take for me to get clarity? What would it take for me to feel joy again? You know, what would it take for me to connect with my partner? What would it take for me to get a new job? You know, anything, they just ask the question. And what that does is it, it, that question goes to the subconscious. And when you ask a question of the subconscious, it works 24 seven. It is the most diligent worker you have. It will go out and it will look for answers to that question. And within a, you know, when they say one to three days, usually you will have some answer come, come forth for you. Okay. I love that. So asking a question, remembering to ask the question, because I think we, that's the step we don't take. So remembering if you're in this place of confusion, pause, you know, not knowing. And I think you're right. A lot of people are going through that. So the confusion is happening. So remember, okay, let's go to curiosity. Let's yeah. ask a question. Um, so I think that's, yeah, an important step one. Cause I would say oftentimes yeah. we forget to even ask the question. We're just on we like do. reactive and mode. The most, the most productive time to do that is just when you're going to bed. Okay. Then what happens when you go to sleep is your conscious mind, which is usually the naysayer and the one that you get stuck on that, on that hamster wheel of negativity and all those negative thoughts, they, that goes to sleep. So that goes to sleep. Your body goes to sleep. The subconscious does not go to sleep. That's when the subconscious goes out and does all of its work. So often you'll ask a question. What will happen with me now, as, as you get used to doing this, it speeds up. So what happens with me is I will get an answer within minutes, if you know, hours or minutes. But if I do it before I go to sleep, I'll often have a dream that will send me a message. And one of the things I did this past week is um, I was, I had an opportunity that moving out of the company, I, I have no cash flow now. So I'm in that, that confused state of, for myself, but I asked, I knew that this um, opportunity was coming up and I asked, what would it take for me to have the money to move forward with this? And I had a dream about um, an expense report that was on the books of my past company that had never been paid. I didn't even remember that it was there, but I saw myself going to the now CEO and saying, can, can you pay this invoice or this expense report? And it was sizable. It was like $11,000. And, um, and then the next day I thought, what do I got to lose? So I sent it out and a week later I got the $11,000. She said, yeah, sure. I'll approve that. I didn't even know it was there. So that was $11,000 that was twice what I needed to move into this, this opportunity. 
So that came in a dream. I posed the question before I went to bed and it came in a dream that night. I, by the end of the next day, before I went to bed the next night, I had already you know, sent him a message and said, hey, this is on the books. Can I, when can I get it paid? And he said, oh, I'll prove it right away. So, yeah. But th those are the kind of things that can happen when you just move out of the, the contracting emotions. Because when you're stuck in anger and fear and you're talking about that all the time, the subconscious works in that realm as well. It will bring you all the things to be angry about and fearful of and all of that. So it is just so critical that people start doing whatever they can to change that, their thoughts and emotions. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I actually, the, the curiosity or question thing, I had a client come to me with a question. And so as a financial advisor, you know, clients come with a lot of questions and, and sometimes they're kind of out of the realm of, you know, my knowledge. Like I can't go back to my finance textbook and be like, okay, crack the books. Yeah. You know, what does it say about that? Cause it's, yeah. it's life and everyone is different. So there's no, there's no actual yeah equation that I can use to figure it all out. Um, so I suggested that to her. I was like, you know what I found has been really working for me is just ask. And I'm like, I'm not sure who I'm asking, but I guess as you're saying this, we're kind of, we're asking ourselves like that inner knowing, but you just ask the question, put it out there and, and an answer will appear. Yeah. And it's not unusual. I just actually just published an article on LinkedIn yesterday. Um, the second part of that is coming out on Thursday but it really is talking about using intuition. It's, it is our most powerful business tool that we can have. And everybody has access to it for free. It's just that we've been conditioned to not pay attention to it. We've been conditioned to listen to the rational mind. And, um, and we've made our, our intuition an inferior function. We're actually, I love the quote from Albert Einstein. He said, the, um, the rational mind is... No, the, the intuitive mind is a sacred gift and the rational mind a faithful servant. And we become a society that honors the servant and has forgotten the gift. And it's just so vital, especially as we're moving into this new energy that is coming into the planet. As we move into this new you know, post-COVID environment, we've got such a brilliant opportunity to create the world that we want, the legacy that we want to leave to future generations. We've never had a more fertile environment to do that in. Um, but intuition is going to lead the way. It's not going to be rational thought process. It yeah. hasn't gotten us, hasn't worked well for us so far. <laughs> no. so. Well, and what do you say then? Because I too am, you know, that what would, what did you say? It's that strong left brain then, because I'm very rational numbers. Um, and, and that just, makes sense to me. So I've, I guess, yes, yeah. I've done a lot of working out on that side. So I do find that sometimes I get stuck in, you know, is this intuition? Is it my mind getting in the way, exactly. telling me what to do? So what would you suggest for people that are just wanting, like just almost learning to tune into their inner intuition? Maybe they haven't really embraced that for thus far. And now they realize the importance of that. Yeah, most people haven't. Um, what my, my part two of my article on LinkedIn is giving like eight different steps that you can do to, to start the flow, open up the flow of intuition. Through this journey, well, even before this journey, for 25 years, I've worked with the energy body. 
um, and the chakra system. So if you're familiar with yoga or you're familiar with um, acupuncture, they all use the energy body, the meridians. That's what acupuncture is, it's stimulating your, your energy meridians. So this is ancient, ancient um, knowledge that has come forward and is so relevant for people today. But I actually run um, courses, as I stepped out of the old, the, the company on emotional intelligence, I was moving really beyond that into really encouraging people to read the signals from their body. Unfortunately, what we have to do, the first step in that is clearing up all of this energetic debris that has been created through everything from emotional legacy that we've picked up from our parents to belief systems and behaviors and thought processes that, that we get trapped in. And, um, and they create blocks within, within that energy body so that the flow just can't come in. And we need to actually free that up before we can start to, um, before we can really start to connect to the universe and connect to the earth and allow that energy to flow through because that is where the abundance comes from. And if we can start to do that, um, yeah, that, that, that would be the first step in that. Okay. Okay. So, and then they'll have to read your article to get the rest of the eight steps. The other ones, uh, there's, yes. so, there's so many things that people can do. I'm just actually getting ready to publish. I've got a book on Amazon called Awakening Consciously. Okay. And it goes through a lot of what I, what I teach in the courses. It's kind of the textbook for the course so that we run people through. And so that it's an ebook right now. The, the paperback is in, I'm just getting a proof on that. So the paperback should, will be available in a couple of weeks. Oh, awesome. Okay. So there's somewhere for people to go to, if they're really wanting to tune more into their intuition. Just to, just to understand what it is, because you really have to, you know, when you look at the chakra system, you have to build a really solid foundation. It's like a house. You can't build a powerful structure on top of a wobbly foundation. So the key really is in the root chakra, which is our connection to the earth. And that's where all of that earth energy comes from. It's where, where we develop the container to hold everything that we need to survive and thrive in the, this lifetime. So just understanding how each one, you know, there's seven main chakras that we deal with and just, just how they build on each other and they form this incredibly powerful system to draw anything that you want into your life from, you know, endless finances to health, to relationships, to intuition, to using your imagination, tapping into all of the support that we have from universal sources, um, all comes when you clear that pathway for that system. The other thing that, that I have that helps people with that is um, on my website, awakeningconsciously.com, I have a link to an app that has um, a meditation for people it's free this free download and it um it's a, the meditation is something that i've been used i, I got in 2007 and it kind of went viral in 2008 i think in two minutes somebody looked up two different sites and over a hundred thousand people had downloaded it and he said that's what i did in two minutes so i have no idea what i just gave it away for free then too but wow. it's been used. But what I do know is like, I've received testimonials from across the planet telling me how this changed people's lives. The last guy, the guy that looked up 
um, the 100,000. When he discovered it 12 years ago, he was homeless and he is now worth billions. I think in net worth, that's not cash flow, but billions, um, high-end high end CEO. And he said every success he had along the way was because of this meditation. It, it became his, what did he say? His compass or his true north or something that he, um, that he followed it. And he's used it almost every day for 10, 12 years. Oh my gosh. Okay. So they can find it at awakeningconsciously.com? Dot com slash app. It is in the menu bar, but okay. um, yeah, if they just go to that website, um, it's, it's just, there's a QR code. They can take their phone and just download it right straight from there, whether they're Apple or Android. Oh, wow. Okay. And what, it, what that does is starts to clear that energetic debris for them, but it doesn't, okay. it's best done while you sleep just because of what we talked about. The, um, the sub, it, it, getting the conscious mind out of it and let, let it just talk to the subconscious mind. So I tell people, just put it on before you go to bed and let it work. And after doing it for a few weeks, you'll notice some profound changes because it is, cha- it is clearing a lot of that, um, the obstacles that people run into, a lot of those negative energies out of the system. So. Okay, I love that. And putting it on while you sleep, then it's like multitasking. You're like, I have so much time now to get things done. Exactly. People are so busy. And yeah. I work with people and trying to get them to sit and meditate for, you know, 10 minutes is, and it's not that they can't find 10 minutes to do it. They just don't think of doing it until they go to bed and they go, oh, crap, I forgot. Yeah. I had to do that today. So until it becomes a habit, but if you can just create the habit of, you know, putting this on your phone and hitting, hitting play, it goes for, I think with the relaxation and everything is between 20 and 30 minutes, but who cares? Cause you're sleeping. Yeah. It's like your bedtime story. I love it. Okay. So let's get into then talking about that financial abundance piece as well. Cause I love that. I'm, I'm the numbers money person. Yeah. And um, so what would you, what do you say to that then? Like what are strategies that people need to use to implement this? Um, yeah. This is it law of attraction or what, whatever it is to help um, bring in financial abundance or financial flow. So a lot of the stuff that we've just talked about applies, they have to clear those channels. They have to get their, their contracting emotions under, you know, out, out of the way and move into more into the, um, what we call expanding emotions. So when we talk contracting emotions, we're looking at anger, disgust, fear, sadness, hopelessness, and shame are the six primary ones that we move people through a scale to get them to a point where it's trust, optimism, acceptance, understanding, love, joy, and peace. So they all vibrate at a different level with us. There's, there's all kinds of science behind vibration of emotions. You can Google it. But just being, but people can't go from a place of hopelessness or shame and go, oh, I'm just going to be joyful and have peace in my life. They, there's a process that we have to do to get people through that. But moving along that, when you're talking law of attraction, as soon as you get into those expanding emotions, because the emotions... Thoughts will drive your emotions, but emotions also drive your thoughts. And so they really are come part and parcel. So as soon as we can shift people's thought process um, and their and the emotions that go along with that, 
that's where we start to be able to attract everything into our life, whatever it is that you want. And, and it's limitless. So finance, when we're talking specifically on finances, we see there's certain people have different personality styles when it comes to finances. So we have the risk takers and we have the misers and we have, you know, everything in between. Understanding what your financial profile is gives you a little bit of a clue into what emotions might be walking your way. So when we see somebody who just is holding on to everything and they've got that lack mentality, there's huge amounts of fear that's behind that. They might not, they might not know that they might not identify with that when we work with them, those things bubble up to the surface and it could be fear of, of things. And I've worked with people who, you know, were taught money doesn't grow on trees and you have to, you know, you get what you work for and, and all of those belief systems clog up the, the pipes. So identifying those and clearing them out. And honestly, identifying them is the big part. The clearing usually happens automatically once you become aware of them. So, yeah. so under, understanding what your, your financial profile or your financial personality is, um, because it's not that we're trying to make people something that we're not, that they're not, we're trying to get them really tapped into the truth of who they are. We live our life so much by who we need to be to fit in here or to fit in there or to look successful or please our parents or please our spouse or like there's so much external control over who we are that we really have created a situation where the, we have the tail wagging the dog. And what we do, what I do as I move people, people through and just educate them on the power that lives within them is we move, we shift that around to where we get the dog wagging the tail. And that really gives them the, the clarity to know who they are and to stand, to, to love themselves for who they are. When, when people be, and I know this from my own experience, a long sorted past with this, when you live your life trying to please everybody else, you always feel like a failure. Because you know that saying, you can please some of the people, some of all of the time and all of the people some of the time, but you can never please all of the people all of the time. Every, every failure you have, is 10 times more potent than the successes that you have. And so if we get people really understanding who they are at the core of their being and then falling in love with that person and then having the courage to take that person out to the world and stand really confidently in that truth, whether people like it or not, that's the work that we have. That's the third, fourth and fifth chakras that, that we work through that in. Um, so when people get to that point, the, the world is their oyster, like they can pull in anything that they want. It's interesting though, that what they, when they get into that truth, what they really desire changes quite dramatically. Yeah. So. I can believe that. Cause it's almost like realizing, I guess it's like honoring yourself and truly who you are. I'm working on writing a book and I was writing, um, this chapter where I am talking about embracing your money uniqueness. And because I sit down with people every day to talk about their finances and, you know, so often we are saying like, okay, I'm this age, I'm supposed to be here. I should be doing this, this, and this, 
but I'm like, well, I've met with, you know, X amount of people and no two people are the same. No one's on the exact same path or trajectory. So you can't, you have to embrace that uniqueness and not get caught up in that external, because if you live your life like that, you know, years down the line, you're going to say, oh, why did I, why didn't I do what I wanted to do or what mattered to me? Why did I think I had to have, you know, this, I had to have home ownership by this age. I had to have yeah. the husband at this age. I have to have the kids at All this age. Yeah. 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 Stuff. I know when I was CFO, I was, I was making bag loads of money didn't want or need for anything, but I came out of it feeling empty inside. So I, 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 find, I started telling people that that career did wonders at feeding my body, but it starved my soul. And I had to get out of that to get into, which was precipitated by the fall down the mountain. But I have not, I left my CFO career in 2007 um, and fell down the mountain in 2009. And I have not had income since April of 2007. And I have no idea what the heck I'm living on, but I have been kept going and going and the resources just keep showing up as I need them. So I don't have a need for me. Wealth isn't having millions and millions of dollars in the bank for me is having all the money that I can spend when I, when I'm ready to spend it. And as long as I have that enough, that, that is what, that's what it means for me. That's what my needs dictate. I'm not saying that that's true for everybody, that everybody, you know, self-preservation, when we look at that with the variety of people that I've talked to about this, we have people who say I need, you know, $10 million in the bank and I need a, you know, 50,000 square foot house. And that's what self-preservation looks for me. One of the men, men that I work with, he's got nine kids and he's got much higher needs than I do. And uh, so his, his definition of self-preservation is very different. I've been out on the streets and talked to homeless people and all they're looking for is a good sized box and a bridge to sleep under, you know, like that whole definition, there's no right or wrong to it. It's just understanding what it means to you and what is true to you and not imposed on you by parents or spouses or society. What is the truth that lives within you? And that's the base that we work from um, in doing that. Yeah. So well, cause so yeah, I was going to say with that belief exercise, which is where you said it all starts for me, it was um, that, you know, you have to work really hard for money. Cause my mom was a single mom. And at one point she was working five jobs for, wow. so uh, that's what I saw. And I'm like five jobs. Okay. You have to have five jobs to make a lot of money or you have to yeah. do a lot, or you have to work all the time. And, and so of course you see me at 16, I was working at, um, Dairy Queen and Subway. Cause I wanted to buy a car. And then during my university, I paid for my whole way through university and I was working at, um, Pizza Hut and Ikea. So I was always maintaining multiple jobs. And then even when I was done university, I was working at a corporate job and I still had another part-time job that I didn't really tell people about, but I, I honestly thought that you had to have multiple jobs. Yeah, I, that was like literally a belief that I truly believed and lived out. And then it was like this aha moment of, oh, I don't yeah. have to do this. <laughs> you know, as I come through this, just, just 
recently, like in the last couple of weeks, an opportunity has come to me that um, has a small investment in it, but the upside for it is I can't even wrap my, I don't even think I have enough decimal places on my calculator to calculate the potential monthly cash flow that could come from this. And it is passive income. It is really just, you know, I, I put some money in every month and that money group together goes out to a marketing campaign and everything that comes in is split between the group and nobody's expected to do anything. And I'm sitting back and I, I see how I stumble with that belief system. Like I'm hitting up against a belief system that says this isn't possible. But I know that it is because I've seen and worked with people that have attracted opportunities like that into their life when they're when they get flowing. But there's always, it, you know, it's it's not a once and done situation when you work through this. There's always different levels of beliefs that come up. And it's you know, you're going to work on this from the day you're born till the day that you pass. Um, there's going to be different belief systems that get uncovered. I just, I'm always so curious now when I see one come up like this one that I'm facing and I'm going, this has the potential to sabotage this incredible opportunity. So let me jump on this. And I've got all the tools to clear those now, but, um, but it's just so curious when it pops up, like, huh, where did that come from? You know, how long has that been there? Well, probably most of my life. Um, but just being able to clear that out as it comes up is what really creates that financial flow for people. So I am very optimistic that this will generate, you know, got hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not millions of dollars a month for me in the next five years. And wow. You know, am I the key though is that one of the keys to this whole thing is unattaching from things, not attaching. So I'm I, I'm very optimistic. I'm feeling expansive around this opportunity, but I'm very careful not to attach my story to what it's going to be because I've been slapped a few times for doing that and just allowing it to be what it's meant to be, but approaching it with optimism instead of skepticism because skepticism will just it's like throwing a wet blanket wet blanket on a flat on a fire approaching it with optimism and trust and you know joy yeah yeah opens that flow of abundance yeah and allowing for that possibilities what would you say then for people that i mean if you haven't really seen what can be or what can exist. I think, you know, there's an, a limiting belief to that. Like if you grew up, um, you know, seeing parents struggle financially um, or things like that, you know, you might have, you might not see the possibilities or see anything beyond your situation. So what would you say to people like that, that were just sort of go, go, do, do, and don't even see that it can be different or there is this possibility out there if that's what you choose to follow? I would say meditate even if it's just for 10 minutes, because what you're talking about is that that hamster wheel of thought that people get stuck on that going round and round and round on those negative thoughts. And when you meditate, um, it, it just, and you only have to do it for, like 10, you don't have to be there for hours, like 10, 15 minutes. And it just quiets the thought process. If you can get into that place where you quiet the mind all of the possibilities start to show up. 
I've got, um, so I have meditations. So I offer an eight week course split into two. So two four week courses on the, on the energy body and the chakra system. So a week on each of the chakras. And for each one of them, there's a meditation that I introduce to people. And the one for the root chakra, no, yeah, for the root chakra, the very base chakra is called into the pause. And it comes a lot from, actually, it doesn't come from my accent so much because it came to me before that. No, did it? Yeah, I think so. Um, anyways, it, in that whole thing, it just takes you into a very relaxed state. And um, you sit at the bottom of the tree, of a tree, and you let just thoughts process, just all those worries and concerns you just let them out and let the tree absorb them. And then you climb up and sit in the branches and look at all of the leaves and the branches as the possibilities. And it's, it's just incredible. Some of the, some of the stories that come out of people doing that meditation and it probably through the relaxation, the meditation is maybe 20 minutes, but it just, when you can sit in a place and calm the mind, possibilities are everywhere. Opportunities, are in such abundance we just don't see them because we're not vibrating at that same level as them we're vibrating in that contracting energy and from that contracting place you don't see opportunities you don't see possibilities you see what is happening now and what has happened in the past and there's you have to break out of that before you can get into the vibrancy that the world has to offer us yeah yeah absolutely yeah, because the past and current are not going to show you those examples. Obviously, you're just going to keep going through the way, keep going through the motions otherwise. And as, as typical human beings, we focus more on the negative than we do on the positive. So when you do pull in the past, most of the time, it's not the joys of the past. It's the fear and the anger and the limitation, the contraction of the past. Not going to do that again. Oh, remember last time I did this, uh, this is what happened. I'm not going to do that again. And so you limit yourself. Um, and, and I think this is why as people age, they get crankier and crankier because they've just got more life, more negative emotions to draw in, more negative consequences to draw into their little bubble. And they've just not, have never been conditioned to open that up and look at the vastness of the world that is available to us. Yeah. It makes me think of when people make money mistakes, because that's another thing I talk about. And we all make money mistakes. And I say mistakes, even in quotes, because, you know, mistakes to who it's very subjective on what is a mistake. And if we get hung up or stuck in it, we, we limit the possibilities of what we're actually willing to do and going to do. And it's so like restricting on our potential and growth. If we just decide, okay, this happened in the past, not going to do that ever again. And then yeah. you just close it all off and you don't do anything. And then your money just sits there. And that defines the majority of the human experience. I'm sad to say, but that's where we're stuck in. Um, I think that the one thing that I've been challenged to do time and time again, and we know that when we're looking at the contracting emotions and the expanding emotions, the pivot point is courage. So what will take you out of contraction and move you into expansion is courage. And that is simple. It's just like when I work with people, it's what small step of courage can you take now? And it could be picking up the phone and calling somebody. It could be 
you know, any number of things. And this is every realm in life, not just finances. But um, for me, I, I got stuck in, I got stuck in my contracting emotions um, after my accident. And like I said, the shame and the fear and the disgust and all of those. And that cost me three years of my recovery. And what got me out of that is a realizing that I was stuck in hopelessness and understanding where that was coming from. But then the coach I was working with said, what is one step of courage that you can take to move you out of that? And I, you know, I, I didn't have an answer for it then. I had to think about it. And I thought, you know what? I could make a phone call. I could, my fear was that I, I wouldn't go out hiking. Like I was very, very active and out in nature all the time before the accident. And I was so afraid that I wouldn't be able to keep up with people and that I would hold the whole group back that I just wouldn't go. And so my step of courage was, I looked up hiking groups on, on the internet and I had got this slow and steady hikers. And I thought, oh, that sounds like I might be able to keep up with them. Um, as it turned out, a friend stepped up and I didn't have any problem hiking, but I had convinced myself that I wasn't capable, that my body, you know, at the worst of my accident, I couldn't walk across my, my townhouse I couldn't walk from the living room to the kitchen without resting in the dining room. So I had good history to support the fact that I could not do a hike or keep up. But I just had to have the courage to step out of that and say, okay, I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to be vulnerable. I'm going to go out. And yeah, I might end up holding everybody back. I might end up having to sit down and rest for an hour. I don't know. As it turned out, I was probably the front of the pack for the slow and steady hikers. So... <laughs> We just don't know. We don't know what's out there for us until we have the courage to step into it. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I did the, um, into the pause meditation, I had my cousin tested for me when I was driving home from Vancouver and we were going through those tun the tunnels at Revelstoke and she was halfway through the meditation. Just as she, we entered the tunnel, she sat upright, but between the tunnels, was filled with with fog fog had set in and all she saw when she sat up was that I was going 120 kilometers into a brick wall or into a cement wall the fog looked like a cement wall and she just woke up and went I'm dead nothing I can do like I'm dead and then she, she didn't die and she went back down and she went up in into the tree um the, into the into the pause and she sat in the branches and what happened is as she sat there it was like the plane with the, with the words that trail behind them came by and, and the message was what fear makes solid turns to mist when we embrace it. Oh. Uh, that's been power. That was probably 10 plus years ago. And it still is, I still get chills when I mention that because it was such a powerful message. And for her, she said, it made me realize how often I am blocked by fear. So her whole life changed in that in that one meditation, driving through the mountains, because she said that from that point on, whenever she hit a fear, she went, I can step into that. It'll just disappear. And more times than not, it does. So she, um, she moved, moved through that. But that was a message that she got in that meditation on how to, how to move forward. I love that. Yeah. That it's just mist or we, yeah, it's not a brick wall. I love it. So, so it just for oh. to step into that, yeah. most people look at it and say, ah, it's a cement wall. Not going to do that. People that have courage will say, yeah, let me take a step and see what happens. And then yes. they realize that their fear was just missed. 
Yes. I love that. Well, just for sake of time um, to wrap up, is there like a, a tip or anything you want to leave listeners with that maybe we didn't get to cover? Um, I, the only thing I would say is that it's time. It's time that people took their power back and started, you know, started wagging their own tail because the, the world is changing so rapidly right now that we need everybody to step into their power. We are meant, we've got these internal gifts and we are meant to bring those to the world. And we don't do that. Human beings don't do that. If we could get everybody in the world to step into their power, there would be no more war. There would be no more divorce. There would be, you know, the world would just, people would be happy and peaceful and it's how we're meant to be. It's, it, it's what we're meant to be here for. So I would just say, start, have the courage and start taking the journey. And, and one of the places to start is um, downloading that free app and just do that. Put the meditation on every night for a month and just see how your life starts to change. On that same website, awakeningconsciously.com, there's all kinds of courses and um, my books get put up there when I publish and um, yeah. Amazing. Okay. And I'll make sure to include that in the show notes links for that as well. Um, thank you so much, Brenda, for this conversation. I could talk with you about this stuff all day. I love it. Um, but just to be mindful of time, we'll, we'll end it here, but yes, if anyone does want to reach out and chat further, I'll have that in the show notes, your contact and everything. Thank you so much, Brenda. All right. And we'll, we'll catch you all next time. Thank you. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much. And I will catch you next time.